Thank you for joining us today. The following is a message from North Place Church. Our hope is that it will inspire you, uplift you, and bring you closer to Christ. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, visit our website at northplacechurch.com slash watch. Happy New Year, North Place family. Amen. You made it to 2017. Who would have thought, huh? When I was growing up, I thought year 2000 was like, like this far, far away. And I would count when Jesus, when I would have the same age as Jesus, it would have been in the 2000s. And, and that seemed like really far away. Some of you even survived Y2K. Who was here when Y2K, the world was going to end, remember? And we all had to work extra and, and, and everybody had to get a bunker and all of that. Hey, guess what? You made it to 2017. And God is here with you. And you know what? You walk with confidence into 2017 because God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy, mercy has walked into 2017 with you. So I want to encourage you that if, if there is fear in any area of your life, whether that is job, ministry, marriage, family, uh, any crisis that you may be facing, the unknown, uncertainty, I want to encourage you. God has gone ahead of you. He's our redeemer. He's redeemed your past. He's redeemed your present. But he's also been into your tomorrow, into your future. And he has already redeemed that. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about 2017. Whether your concerns are political, whether your concerns are theological, or whether your concerns... We serve a good, mighty, powerful God that has gone ahead of you and says, I'm a good father. I'm a good father, and you will have a good year in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're just so glad you're here this morning, and, and I'm glad you joined us that decided to wake up somewhat early this morning and, and be here with, you, with us. Uh, I want to share with you a, a, a period in my life where I was journaling. Many of you probably journal. Uh, some of you may not. I don't. I'm not very big on journaling, but I started journaling out of frustration, okay? This was not because I was having these great ideas and these big dreams. I was so frustrated with my surrounding. I was frustrated with what was happening in, in my ministry, in my career, in my job. I was frustrated with people around me. I was just frustrated, and, and I started journaling because I needed to vent somewhere. And I thought the psychologist would be too expensive, so I tried journaling, and it worked out pretty good. And so I started journaling. I noticed my letters were big, and my handwriting was strong, and, and I said it all. I mean, I downloaded. I pray. After I wrote it all, I thought, I hope I don't die this week, because if somebody gets wind of this, it's going to be a pretty interesting funeral. And, uh, and you know, I started journaling, and I realized that... Um, while I journaled, I was frustrated with, with so many things around me. And the more I repeated them, the more I wrote about them, the more I vented about them, I realized that it was not the people around me. It was not my context. And it was not the lack of dreams. What I realized is I was not being challenged enough. I realized that without those challenges, and I realized also that without those challenges, my ability to dream was being hampered. I also realized that it was not the people around me's fault. 
And I realized that it was the way I was thinking and the lens that I was using that affected everything. And I was in a rut. Have you ever been in a rut? You don't have to raise your hand. It's Happy New Year. You know, but if you've ever been, I'm with you. I was in a rut and I couldn't dream. I couldn't set goals. I, I mean, if you know anything about me, you know I like to plan. I like to be structured. And I was in a process that the only goal I could come up with for the new year was lose weight. You know, you don't need a lot of creativity for that. So I figured there is something wrong with me. And I realized there was nothing wrong with me. It was what was wrong is how I was looking at everything that was around me. And I don't know where you find yourself right now. I don't know if you are ready to face 2017 and you got all of your plan and all of your goals and all of your new year resolutions. You may be there. You may be like, God, I'm ready. Bring it on. I'm ready for you. I'm flexible. I got this. I got that. And you got all of the areas in your life under control. I'm not there yet. But what I want to share with you today is not how to, how to develop the list in the New Year's resolutions. I want to work with you what has to happen before the planning session comes, okay? What needs to happen? And we're going to refer to Mark chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 18 to 22, and we're going to pull out three lessons, three lessons that will help us get ready for New Year's resolution. Because you don't need new resolutions. New resolutions are not the solution. We need a new way of thinking and a new way of looking at things. So here's Jesus. He had been ministering, and uh, he was uh, in ministry celebrating and teaching. And uh, Levi, who was a tax collector, Jesus called him into ministry. And uh, they went to Levi's house, and they were celebrating. There was a banquet in Jesus' honor. And nearby was a group of religious people the teachers of the law, and they were called the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were there, and it was one of the days of the fast, fasting. The Pharisees usually fasted in that, in that period about twice a week. And John the Baptist's disciples, they were also fasting. So what happens, the context for this conversation and the window and the opportunity that we get to look into, basically they were asking Jesus, why are your disciples not fasting? They should be fasting. And we're going to see what Jesus responded, which basically gives us the three points of our time together this morning. If we go to Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22, I'm going to read it for you. And then we're going to kind of break it down, unpack it, and uh, see what are some of the lessons that we're going to learn from here. Once, when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday, the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. I could imagine the Pharisees going, Huh? <laughs> we just asked a simple question. Why are they not fasting? And he goes into this whole theological rampage that he, they cannot understand. But then he lands that plane with two principles and two key lessons. Look what, check, it out, what, check out what he says. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. 
And then the second lesson he teaches right there is, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would be both lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. A new year calls for new ways of thinking. So let's unpack some of the three things. The, what, the first principle is be prepared for opposition. Be prepared for opposition. The first thing we find in this passage is opposition. Jesus is introducing a new way of thinking. For some people, he's turning, especially the religious crowd, he's turning their world upside down. And basically he is facing religious opposition, political opposition, religious opposition. So at every turn, Jesus is facing opposition. Anytime you're on the cutting edge of anything new that God is doing in your life, you can expect for there to be opposition. Opposition could come from two fronts. It could be external or opposition could be internal. In this case, the opposition was external. One of the things that they immediately realize is, is Jesus is doing things not the way we've always done it. So one thing I want to tell you, opposition is just a symptom that you are on the right track. It doesn't always mean you're on the right track, but usually opposition is a symptom that you are on the right track. It's symptomatic, but if you cannot endure the symptoms, you cannot have the success. If you're not careful, opposition will distract you. And this is because the, your, your self-esteem, your uh, newly birthed dream, which has no history, and usually the, the critics and the haters, they have all the facts. But you don't have any facts because this is a little baby that has no history, hasn't had any birthday. So if you're not careful, the opposition will hinder your ability to move forward. So... Secondly, something else that the opposition does is sometimes the opposition educates you. Because whenever someone is critical of you, that doesn't mean that they are always wrong. They surely immediately point out at your deficiencies. But because we don't like when someone points at our deficiency immediately, what we say, well, what do you know about ministry? Well, what do you know about being a mom? Well, what do you know about being single? Well, what do you know about being a grandparent? What do you know about being a stockbroker or a teacher? Because we're looking for any reason to disqualify the critics in our lives. So don't miss growth opportunities because you discard the critics and the opposition in your life. However, you're not there to convince your critics about your dream. You're not there to convince your critics about the destiny that God has for your life. If you look at what Jesus did, he educated and he gave life-giving principles. He didn't go on a discourse. He didn't go on a very long sermon about defending his disciples. He basically came and dropped two bombs on them that were life-giving principles, and it was up to them to the critics, to take that and do something about it or just keep going and keep walking their way. One thing I'm going to tell you, you cannot go through the doorway of destiny without walking through the hallways of opposition. You cannot walk through the doorway of destiny without walking through the hallways of opposition. That's one key thing. And we need to be clear. 
You're not there to change the minds of your critics, but you are there to learn to grow and to resist and move forward. Many times, opposition is a sign of growth. When there's no opposition in your life, chances are not a whole lot is happening. Are you still with me this morning? If there's no opposition, we need to look at why. So let's take a look. When Jesus was getting ready to answer the Pharisees, as he often did, he had an object lesson. He starts giving them a seam class, sewing classes, okay? So the first thing he tells them is stop patching your garments. Stop patching. That's point number two. Stop patching your garments. He was telling them, there is something new that is coming your way, but your old ways of thinking is going to ruin the new thing. Jesus was telling them, you don't take an old garment and put a new patch. Because when you wash it, especially if it's linen, the old that's already stretched and has shrinked, it's going to ruin it because you put a new patch that has not been stretched or, or moved. So he said, you're going to ruin the patch, you're going to ruin the hole, and you're going to ruin the garment in itself. So what, what I'm seeing here is don't be trapped by the, your patches in life. Whenever you are ready for something new, be careful not to attach the wrong thing. Because by doing so, you ruin the integrity of the garment. By doing so, you could just make it worse. Don't be trapped by your patches in life. A patch may be a title. And listen to this, because many times we go by titles. And usually a title includes a job description. And Usually that job description limits us to what we think we could do. The title of teacher, the title of banker, the title of, of pastor, the title of stay-at-home mom. Basically what happens is we get in trouble when we get trapped by these patches. Titles could be a patch because we buy into how others describe you and we stop seeking and we stop growing. We stop because we say, okay, this is what a pastor is. This is what a teacher is. This is what a mom is. This is what a grandparent is. This is what a sick person is. This is what a single person is. And we stop realizing that God has much more for us than a job description and a title. So when God starts stirring up something in our hearts and in our dreams, we immediately reach out to the title and say, but I am this. And we limit ourselves to by what others have said, by what others think about me, and what others have described me. We allow people to put a period and define us by where they met us in life. They put a period where God put a comma. If you're letting the patches define you, stop doing it. <laughs> Very simple. Don't let that patch define you. Your patch may not be a title. Your patch may be a label that you were given at some point in time. You were an addict. You were a failure. You were a reject. You were a divorcee. You were lazy. You were too old or you were too young or you're a mediocre student. Don't let any label become your patch. Don't waste your time cutting out all pieces of your life and trying to patch them in the new things God is trying to do today. 
In 2017, find out how much there is in you. In 2017, don't be trying to look at holes in your life and patching them. God knows your holes, but he's also the redeemer of those holes. And he called you anyways, and he loves you anyways. And God put a seed in you. He put a treasure inside of us. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says there is, there's a treasure inside of us in these jars of clay that, that a lot of times we, we don't like what we see when we get in front of the mirror, and we kind of reject ourselves. But, but God has a very unique way of hiding those seeds and those treasures. And the last thing that helps us is a label or a patch or a title. God has a unique way hiding much more inside of you than you think. When people would look at Moses, many of them would see an assassin. God saw the guy that was going to be writing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He wrote the five first books of the Bible. When, when other people saw in Joseph just a dreamer and a selfish dreamer, God saw the great leader of a nation that will lead his people in a time of famine. When other people saw Rahab as a prostitute, God said, that's the great, 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 great grandmother of King David. When people saw in Jonah a coward, God saw a missionary. And when others saw in Peter someone that would open his mouth and stick his foot in his mouth, God said, that's the keynote speaker on the day of Pentecost. God has a unique way of putting his treasures and hit, hiding. He hid victory behind defeat and resurrection behind death. And he hid a king in a manger. And what I'm asking you is, what seeds have been deposited in you that in 2017, and this is the deal, God gives you seeds and God gives you time. And with time, that seed will produce a tree, but that tree could produce with time a whole forest. He put a seed inside of all of us and he gave us time to produce what's in that seed. The notion that there's only one tree in a seed is only a myth. In that seed, there's a forest if you give it enough time. If you nurture what is in you and if you don't limit yourself by criticism or people's expectations, you can evolve from the seed into the tree and from the tree into that forest. If you continue to attach pieces of your past to your today, your future will never be what God intended it to be. This year, don't be trapped by labels. Don't be trapped by titles. Don't be trapped by positions. Don't be trapped by your past. Don't let others limit us. There are new opportunities coming your way in 2017. And you may be saying, well, why do you know that? Well, because I serve a powerful God and so do you. Because you serve a God of second chances. Because you serve a God that takes nothing and makes something out of it. Because you serve a God that is mighty, that is powerful, that is a rock, that is the door. And that it it's, has dreams and a passion about you that he wants to fulfill. Don't be left behind sowing patches in 2017 because you think you have holes in your life. The third point that I believe we learn from this passage is be prepared to be stretched. And this is probably the deepest and, and probably the, the most difficult one. Be prepared to be stretched. Jesus, uh, Jesus starts talking about wine and carbon dioxide and 
wineskins. And, and they were very familiar with this illustration because back in the day of Jesus, they didn't have bottles. So they will store the wine in these clean animal skins. And basically, they were made for the wine to be stored and transported, but they were also made for new wine. But what was interesting about the new wine is that when you pour the new wine into the skin, the fermentation process would continue and it would produce a change. It would produce carbon dioxide that will make that new animal skin expand. And you needed the flexibility because the new wine, which the wine represents the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And what he was telling the religious people is, I have so much to pour inside of you. I have so many dreams about you. But the issue is that you need a new wineskin, which means a new way of thinking, so that when I pour of my spirit, when I pour the new wine inside of you, you just don't burst. Because the change requires elasticity. Because the change requires flexibility. Because the change requires for us to be prepared, to be stretched. What does that mean? He may be asking you to do things you've never done. He may be asking you to things to do things that you're so afraid because of failure. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of making mistakes. And he's saying, just become a new wineskin. Shift the way you think. Let me operate. Let me give you more of the mind of Christ so that when I blow you away with what I have for you in 2017, you are flexible and ready to be stretched. He was telling the religious people, Everything is going to be turned upside down. Be flexible. Be ready to be stretched. Don't keep bringing your past to your present. The old lessons were great for a season, but there are new lessons and new seasons that God wants to, for you to dive into. When God is getting ready to do something new in you, it requires for you to be flexible because he will expand you. He will expand you. Jesus was saying, I can do the new things in your life while you remain in the old way of thinking. You see, the Pharisees didn't have a problem with Jesus in that sense. They had, with his disciples, I'm sorry. He had a, he had, they had problems with Jesus. The issue was with Jesus bringing new wine to their old religious system. With Jesus bringing new wine to your corporate environment. With Jesus bringing new ways of thinking to the fireplace that then need to be moved to the marketplace. With Jesus bringing new roles and new perception to your role as a mom, to your role as a teacher, to your role as a pastor, to your role as a missionary, to your role as a business entrepreneur, to your role as a retiree, to your role as a single person that so much has been attached to it that cannot be shifted but God is saying before you start planning before you start making new resolutions face the opposition grow from it stop sewing patches around your holes in your life and be prepared to be stretched and be, pre be flexible before you start acting differently you need to start thinking differently before you start acting differently, you need to start thinking differently. At some point in life, you have to say, God, stretch me. 
<laughs> stretch everything around about me. Stretch my mind. Stretch my heart. Stretch my emotions. Stretch my abilities, my desires, and make every moment count. Stretch before you burst. Because God has not changed his mind about you and about your destiny and about your calling. But something beautiful happens when, when a human being realizes that there is more. When the light bulb goes off, when, when the aha moment happens that you realize, wow, my old way of thinking was hindering what you wanted to do. I'm going to let go the old God. I'm going to be flexible. I'm ready to be stretched. Change me. Do what needs to be done in me. This is important because we don't need more goals for 2017. And don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. Goals are important. New Year's resolutions are important. Planning is important. But before we get into that, we don't need more resolutions. What we need is a new way of thinking. The issue is not the new year. The issue is not the other people. The frustration is not the environment. New resolutions are not the solution. We need a new mindset. A new mindset. For some of you, it's, it means it's a complete overhaul. Because what you experienced in 2016 kind of set a foundation for a major change in your life in all areas. For others of you, it's just, it's just one, one area of life that you need to allow the new wine to transform and to stretch you. You may say, it's my marriage, it's my job, it's my career, it's, it's my ministry, it's my family, it's my finances, it's my school, it's my singleness. You may want to narrow it down, hone into one area that you say, God, I need a renewed mind because I'm not dreaming like I used to dream, because I'm not reaching out the way you wanted me to. Because I'm not being creative. And don't forget, you were created by the Creator. And the, created, crea the Creator created you to be creative. Not to eat off the table of somebody else. And you, better than anybody else, could answer that question. Lord, what has taken my energy away? What has taken my flexibility away? What has taken my, my ability to be stretched and take risks. I'll tell you this, God will not waste wisdom and opportunities in people that are not a new wineskin. We don't need another year, new year resolution. We need a new mentality and a new way of thinking. New determination, new passion, and new integrity. New hunger for life if we are to conquer 2017. Tell the Lord, Lord, I want to enter 2017 with a new mentality. I want to enter 2017 willing to face opposition and grow from it. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your season. Change your mentality. Be flexible. Learn from your critics. And take risks. Embrace the opportunity that God is putting before you. Tell the Lord today, I will not stay here. I will not continue on this path. Father, I want to be like Enoch that walked with you. I want to be like Abraham that was unconditionally obedient. I want to be like Moses, oh God, that obeyed you and trusted you. I want to be like Joseph that will run away from temptation 
and will never stop dreaming. I want to be, Lord, like Joshua and Caleb that didn't focus on their giants. I want to be like David and I want to lift my eyes to the mountains because I know that my help comes from the Lord. I want to be like Daniel and live in intimacy with you. I want to be like Paul and press on to reach to the end of the race. Don't let 2017 go by missing the great opportunities God has for you this year. Rip off the lid of your abilities. Tear open your box of talents and use every single gift that God has given you. The problem is many times we, we're so good at looking at what other people are good at. And we say, that person is great at this and this and this and this. And you ask the person, what are you good at? Well, I don't know. Uh, and we, then we try to be humble. But what, what Jesus said is in one of his parables, he said, to some I've given 10 and 5, and I don't know if he give you 3 or 12 or 20 talents or 1 talent. The issue here is not how many talents you have. It's what are you doing with that talent, whether you have 1 or 10. What he wants you to do is to multiply it. He doesn't want you to bury it anymore. He doesn't want you to put it aside and ignore it and discard it. He's reminding you and letting you know that he gave you talent. He actually called wicked servant the servant that just put his talent away. But you got talents and you got gifts and he wants to use those in this year. When no one else gives you a second chance, <laughs> give yourself a second chance. Because you serve a God of second chances. You serve a God of second opportunities. You serve a God that, that forgives, that redeems, that justifies you. And in heaven, we're going to see the streets of heaven populated by people that were given second opportunities and second chances. And that at some point in their lives said, I'm putting my patches aside. And I'm going to walk into 2017 with holes and all <laughs> and challenges and difficulties and all. Don't wait for others to approve of you. You're created by a wonderful and powerful God. Ask God for a strategy. Reinvent yourself. Joshua didn't do Moses. Joshua did Joshua. Don't do what you've always done. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people around you are saying. Whether they respond or don't respond, you need to know that you are gifted with gifts, talents, and opportunities. What are you going to do with what God gave you? What are you going to do with what God gave you? 2016 may have been a year of pain, a year of loss, sickness, burnout, hurt. But today... I want to remind you of God's power of redemption. The first step in that, and we're going to give you practical tools next week. You do not want to miss it. One way that we're going to give practical opportunities is on the 9th of January, we'll start a corporate fast. And during this season of corporate fasting, what we do is we, we take time to be with the Lord, to be in His presence. And uh, if you've never fasted, we will equip you with resources. We will have a midweek, early morning time of prayer and worship in here. And take that time of fasting to ask God, God, renew my mind. Renew my mind because I want to do everything you want me to do this year. 
We're also, next week, Pastor Brian starts the series 42, and he'll start with basic foundational disciplines of prayer and reading the Word and conversing with God and, and fasting and how that has helped him grow. But it will help us with some life-giving principles as well. That's on the practical side. But today, it's all about making the decision. Today is all about the first step. Don't look at, at all of 2017. Just look at the next step. And the next step is either... Jesus, I want to make you the center of my life. Jesus, I want you to walk into my life once again. If, you, if you've done it before, or it may be your first time and you decide, you know, I'm going to start the year right. It may be the first time and you may invite him, Jesus. Invite Jesus into your heart as your Savior, as your Lord. And that's your first step. For others, your first step is, Lord, Teach me how to face opposition with grace. Lord, let me be flexible and prepare me to be stretched. And Lord, let me not be guided and limited by my titles, my patches, my past experience. And let 2017 be an incredible, incredible year. I want you to bow your heads for just a second as we wrap this time up. And I want you to sort of do a, a, an audit uh, personal audit of where are you today? Where do you find yourself today? I want you to reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm here. And if you've never made him your savior, the CEO of your life, invite him today and say, Lord, I want to receive you as my savior. Tell him, forgive my sins. Enter into my life and guide every step. Or you may be here and you just need to hit restart <laughs> and say, Lord, I've been running away from opposition. I'm going to face it head on. <laughs> I may be bruised in the process, but Lord, I want to grow and I want to learn. Don't let me be limited by my titles. Don't let me be limited by the labels that others have placed on me. I know I can do anything through you who gives me strength, but I've been limiting and it's my way of thinking what keeps me limited. And Father, let us be flexible. Teach me how to be flexible, how to expand, and how to grow. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to thank you for being here this first Sunday of the year. I want to encourage you. God is a good God. God is a good Father. And His mercy and goodness will follow you every day of your life. And that includes 2017 with illness or health, with job or no job, with challenges or no challenges. God is with you. Don't miss next week. We love you here at North Place. We want to invite you to come back. Next weekend, we resume our regular service schedules, and I pray that the Lord will make his face shine upon you and give you peace and the grace to sustain the challenges and the blessings that he has for you in 2017. We love you. See you next weekend. Thank you for listening to this message from North Place Church. Feel free to share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at North Place 
and on Facebook at facebook.com slash North Place Church. To watch the video of this message, go to northplacechurch.com slash watch.